Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Oh, you sound clean. Mm, sound in the tasty. studio again, Look at Bone. That. Ooh, that's nice. That's a fun time. Yeah, so last week, uh, if you if you listen to the show, I was doing it from home, forgot my headphones actually in the office, uh, so therefore I wasn't able to use my microphone that I have for my PC, decided, you know what, Bone, let's just record this in the studio and also have a puppy at home who literally pooped on the floor, and that's why we had to cut last week's episode short. So here I am in the studio. I'm just going to have to clean up poop in a crate when I get home. It's all good, and we're doing it for the better of the soccer community, Bone. That's right. It does sound like you are coming to terms with dog ownership, yep. and uh, yeah, that's always a fun time. Always a fun time. Oh, it's just a total blast, man. <laughs> Nonstop fun with the dog. Uh, we have got plenty to get into today. We will talk about how there are no good guys in soccer leadership. They're just varying degrees of bad. We'll talk about FIFA and some of their shadiness. Uh, also, Harry Kane seems like he's pretty convinced he'll be gone after this offseason, moving on from Tottenham. Get into that. And uh, the final match day of the Premier League season with quite a bit on the line for three teams fighting for two playoff spots or playoffs. Uh, Champions League. Yeah, spots. that too. Playoffs. This is all the well, same. They're, thing. they're playoffs. Yeah. They're just in the Champions League. It's a playoff. But anyway, we'll get into all that coming up on the show. But of, cur- of course, we're going to start with this. Uh, the fans have spoken and got the job done, Beamer. Mm-hmm. Looks like the crew are the crew once again. Columbus SC lasted less than 10 days. And good. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we don't have to s- screw around and call this team Columbus Crew SC, the Crew SC, Columbus SC. It's the crew, it's the Columbus crew, now and forever. Amen. You know what's uh, really funny about that, Bone? So we have our brand new studios, and I don't know if you've been in here or not. So the one talk studio that we actually do our shows out of is all Ohio State, and we've got that. Across uh, across from the other uh, other studio uh, is our production studio, and then we have uh, Commercial Bob's studio, which is right next to me, and that's a Blue Jacket studio. I am currently sitting in a yellow office all decked out in Columbus Crew stuff. And so it it is very fitting here on this fine day that we actually get to do a podcast and I'm sitting uh, with a bunch of crew stuff around me. So it's great. How great is that, right? We have a crew studio. And and what I was going to be really mad about is not only like among all the other things with the Columbus SC, you know, rebrand was that whole studio was going to be obsolete, right? Like all that gear was just going to be like, throw it out. This is all done. Um, what did you think about how this worked out? I mean, the Nordeka leadership mm-hmm. got to meet with the Haslam's or uh, D Haslam rather and JW Johnson and obviously Dr. Pete Edwards was there too. And they came away from that meeting agreeing that they would drop the SC and stop calling it Columbus SC, go back to Columbus crew. But also they did say they're going to keep the logo. They're just going to tweak it. They put the 96 in where that triangle was. They put the crew at the bottom instead of SC. Yeah. How do you feel about 
the the compromise that seems to be worked out there. Yeah, I think that's the most important word of the day, right? It is compromise. And I think it was very important. As we know, I mean, there was a giant firestorm after this was all released and you were going away from the Columbus crew name and you were going to be Columbus SC, which is just so watered down, stupid, dong, arbor written all over it. Uh, I, I Again, Bone, I'll go back to what I said last week. I think it was a, a big oversight on the part of the ownership of the Columbus crew. They obviously didn't want anything to do with Anthony pre-court and you know what that's fine I think we as crew fans understand that you want to put your own imprint on the team that's cool we got it uh so I think it was very important that these two sides got together you were taking away something that was fundamentally yours and uniquely yours and originally yours and you totally just got rid of it and I think that really at the crux of it is what everybody was upset about. And so you have these meetings, you go through, you're talking to different people. You're like, okay, this was a big oversight on my part. Obviously uh, I should have done something better here because it was just stupid the entire time. So I think the compromise was good. You are now the Columbus crew. You are no longer Columbus crew SC. You are no longer Columbus SC, but what you have to live with is a little bit of a tweak in the logo. And I think if you were to go and, really talk about the most important part of this to supporters i think it was keeping the name you change the logo i still don't think it's the best logo in the entire world but hey man there has to be a compromise on some level and i think they got that done yeah yeah i think so too and and i'm not a huge fan of the pennant logo i do think that will change eventually but you know what the reality is the process seems to be mended because that was like you said i mean it's about the fact that the supporters need to have a voice. Yeah. And I know and, and I don't want to make this about like when I say supporters, I'm not just saying the people who sit in the corner at the current stadium and who will sit at the end, the north end of the new stadium. I'm talking about the supporters in general. Mm -hmm. the, the the all the people who go to these games, who watch these games on TV, even if you don't attend all of them. Um, people who just care about this team. And I think it was good to see that that process started to get uh fixed. So Hopefully there will be more of that going forward. Well, I think less... it, I think it was an important lesson too, Bone, and I don't mean to step on your feet with it. No. I think it was an important lesson from ownership by saying this is what happens when we don't engage with our fans and we're not on the same page. And I know that they said they did, you know, all those trial runs and they tested this out. Like, I don't know one person that took place in that, who took part in that. And so moving forward, I think it was a great lesson. You're always going to want to interact with our, your fans before any changes are made inside of this club. And I think it was a big time thing uh, that you were able to come to this, ultimately this compromise. Yeah, I, I, I did understand, like, I, I know I took, part in a survey yeah because they sent out they sent out a ton of surveys over the last two years when they took the ownership of the club and I would answer as many as I could when I would see them but they were always like questions about what's important to you at the new stadium you know what about this what about that what yeah. about you know and there were a few things about like the identity of the team and it was like you know things like do you like an emphasis on the city of Columbus you know and it's like sure well sure, yeah I do. of course, of course I, I do yeah of yeah. course I do especially after what just happened with Anthony Precourt right where all we ever hear about is how Columbus sucks. It's like, yeah, I, I'd like there to be emphasis on Columbus. But at no point did I ever see a question that said, would you like <laughs> us to drop the crew from the name? Yes or, or no. Are you in favor of renaming the team Columbus SC? Or any, are you in favor of renaming the team? If so, what? Yeah. You know, my answer would have been, yes, rename them to Columbus crew. Mm -hmm. I don't want the SC on there. But, you know, they didn't ask that question. So I think that's where we get back to it. And, and, and just also, please understand for those listening who are like, what the team to ask the supporters for everything? 
No, I don't expect Tim Bezpachenko to pull the you know fan base to say, hey, do you think we need to get uh, a new striker or do we need to go out and get some depth in the midfield? Or I no. think he does. <laughs> he needs to ask us every single <laughs> roster management question humanly possible. Yes, we need another. Yeah. We need we need a false nine in the lineup, right. Tim. We need we need we need to get that going, and right. we want say in every single eleven that Caleb Porter runs out on the. That's field. right. Yeah, I want I want us to go to a three six one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. Or no, is that no? They're not three six. Uh, whatever. Who cares? The point is, I don't need that. I don't need to be that involved. What what this is though, the logo and the the identity of the team, that is a fan thing. That is very much involving the fans. So I think on certain aspects of the club, yeah, it's it's good that they did this. So I love to see the fans have a voice. I love seeing the Nordeca. I guess the membership has jumped up incredibly over the last week or two. Yeah. Uh because people have realized you can have a voice if you join the Nordeca and you don't have to sit in the supporters section to be a part of the Nordeca. I thought that was the cool message that came out of all this is the Nordeca is the fan supporters group. Yeah. Like, yes, there is a location of the stadium that's going to be called the Nordeca, but it is it is a bigger, broader organization that allows fans to have a voice. And I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah, good stuff, man. This is look, this is the the way the sausage gets made. You know, 30 years from now, you look back and you wonder why Why do the Columbus crew have the best support of any team in MLS? Like as far as their relationship with the front office, how strong they are, the voice they have, the answer will be times like this where the fans stood up and said, we don't like this, this needs changed, and ownership was willing to listen to that. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good sign. And my hope is that eventually this this fan base becomes the type that you look around world soccer and you see, you know, the yellow wall at Borussia Dortmund, right? Mm-hmm. You see some of these other legendary fan bases. Yeah, Stratford and Manchester United. I mean, you know, yeah. all the, all these different places. You're right. Hopefully that's what happens here is that people say all the Nordeca, you don't mess with them. They're one of the strongest fan groups in the in all of soccer. That would be a very cool thing. So I think that's, again, part of the identity of the team. So very good stuff there. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly important just going back, you know, to, to, to this whole instance and what was a mess and you turned it into a little bit of a mess and you ultimately came to this compromise. I, huge round of applause to leadership inside of the Nordeca and leadership inside of the the front office of this team, right? I mean, because yeah. without both parties willing to play ball here and understanding, listen, we can't get the logo changed back to what it was. We can change it a little bit. We're not going to change the name. Like, I give, I give incredible amount of support to both of these parties being willing to negotiate and budge on certain things, right? Hey, yeah, we're going to change yeah. the name. We're going to change the name name back. Obviously, that was one, but we're not going to give you the full logo back. Uh, and I think, you know, ultimately, Bone, uh, if you were to pull a majority of the crew fans, you would take the name change instead of the logo. I think, again, the pennant logo, I, I don't, yeah. it, it's it, it's whatever at this point. You got your name back. You are thrilled about that, I think, if you're a majority of these fans. But again, a huge round of applause to both of these parties coming to an agreement because a lot of the times, I mean, the, the ownership had had really bone no reason to interact with them right i mean yeah, if you're yeah. honest about this you come in you buy this team for you know millions and millions of dollars you're the ownership group you say to yourself well why should i listen to the fans this is my team i can do what i want to do and again i think that arrogance that i was talking about last week and just oversighted uh everything that was happening with this rebranding but again huge round of applause to both of these parties to come to an agreement because uh, other sports teams around the world i don't necessarily know if that was happening yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you're exactly right on that. Um, so yeah, big big week for the crew, and hopefully now we can get back to focusing on 
what's going on on the field, which not great. No, not great. They've got, they've <laughs> got great. one one goal from crew players in Columbus, five matches. But That's I will say good. this: Columbus SC zero wins in team history. Yeah, we don't ever. Yes, the the Columbus SC era was a disaster, and hopefully now the the era of the Columbus Crew they can get back to being a championship organization. That's what we're looking for. So, yeah, they play New York City FC this weekend. Uh, I don't believe I I think I. I, I think they're playing that like in Hartford, Connecticut or somewhere else. They're not playing it at if Yankee you say Stadium. So. They can't play at Yankee Stadium because I think the Yankees have a bunch of games. So how yeah, dare whatever. the Yankees take away a game from New York City <laughs> FC? How stupid is it that New York City FC doesn't have their own stadium? Yeah, when pretty dumb. Everybody else in MLS, it's like, if you don't have a stadium, you suck. Don Garber, <laughs> we take your team. Right. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up, New York City FC? How you guys doing? Cool. You enjoying your uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn digs? Yeah, it's awesome. Or the Bronx digs, I'm sorry. Great. They, Yeah, they'll sometime maybe get a stadium down the road. Not anytime soon. We'll see. But anyway, hopefully they can get back on track. I just want to you know, start getting some points. ask you this question, too. With this entire rebranding fiasco, you know, it's obvious to me that the players haven't been sharp, and I don't know if that's a run of, run of bad luck for Caleb Porter and his guys and not being fully 100% healthy, and obviously they're not in form. I wonder how much of this played into the mental psyche of this team being dragged and being in the headlines for you know basically 10 straight days when all this was happening. I wonder how much of that actually crept into the locker room. I think it added exhaustion to an already exhausted group. Yeah. Right? Like they went through six games in 19 days, the emotional toll of that Champions League thing where you're up two to one mm-hmm. at home and then you give up that uh, that awful late goal yep. and you get Lucas Zellerayon not available for the next round. Like, I think that was a very deflating night in in this team's psyche. And then to have the MLS play not really matching up, you're not really playing well, you're getting everyone's best shot. You've had a ton of injuries. Everybody's been banged up. Then on top of all that, you hear the fans are like, we may storm out of the gates and never come back if you don't change this. You know, like that all has to just be so frustrating and tiresome. Um, I can tell you that I I have been made aware of efforts by the players to reach out to the fan base. Great. And basically, from what I understand, there were messages of congratulations and thanks by some of the players to some of the uh, leadership in the Nordeca. So it's not going unnoticed by the players. That I, they, I definitely think they looked at what was happening. Not every one of them. And I don't think you can blame the whole poor performance just on that. Sure. But I think this, I think it hurts the whole club when there is division between the fan base and the front office. I think that does not work. And it doesn't mean the players then are like, oh, well, crap. If they don't like each other, then we can't play. Sure. They're professionals. But... I do think it adds to an already frustrating situation. If the crew were like beating everybody by three goals and everybody was playing their best, that probably wouldn't be looked at quite as much, you know? But I think when you're in a bad funk, things can pile up. And so I'm not blaming the fans or anybody for that. I'm saying I think it can add on to an already dysfunctional situation. So now that that's cleared up, Hopefully with a week where they actually just had a normal week. Yeah. They didn't have a yeah. midweek game. Normal they didn't match have to travel to Mexico. Us. Yeah, maybe this gets them a little bit healthier. Uh, they have a couple weeks in a row like that now where they're going to be, you know, playing just a game and then have a week and then play another game. And then come up in a couple weeks, you'll have the break for the Gold Cup and all that stuff. So 
I think by the by the end of June, you will see a much different team. You'll see a healthier team. I think they'll be in a better mental place. But they could use going into the break. They could just use a couple of games where they actually score some goals. I don't even know if they need to win those games. I would prefer them to. But if you get a couple draws out of it and you you know like two to two, one to one, something like that, just get yourself going again. Get your offense going again. I think that would give them a little bit of confidence going into the break. But. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong to say that that probably played into it a little bit. Yeah, this sure. offense uh, <laughs> has been woeful. I mean, it's been it's bad, man. Yeah, and Pedro, Pedro Santos is not a ten. I think we can surely say that. Or if he is, he's not playing like it right now. When they put him in that spot for Lucas last week, that didn't work. So they need someone who could step up when Lucas Elrion can't go. Obviously, well, hopefully that's not a lot, Bone. Hopefully he's. I in know, there. right? Hopefully I mean, he's in there as much as you don't, possible. You don't want to be a one-man team, but I definitely think it shows. Just they're not obviously a one-man team, but it just shows how good that guy is. You know, you have him in the middle of the field. It helps. He can he can change a game completely by himself. He you know that game this past weekend against New England, he draws a foul outside of the eighteen and then hits a you know stunning free kick. That could have been. They could have won that game mm-hmm. potentially. Instead, they give up a late goal and they lose all three, or they lose any points they were going to get. So, it, it, that's the difference. I mean, with him, not that they're a one-man team, but even when your offense is struggling, maybe he can be the guy who just sparks something, draws a foul in the right spot, maybe gets a penalty kick, something. And and they need that spark. So hopefully they can get that back. Hopefully we can get Kevin Molino on the field too. I'd love to see what he could do, mixing this offense up a little bit because uh, they're going to need they're going to need some help for sure and uh, get it going. All right, let's switch gears, Beamer. Let's talk about the Premier League this Sunday, 11 a.m. Final game of the season, final week of the season. So that means every game is on at the same time at 11 a.m. I love that. Absolutely love it. Right? It's so great. It's, uh, you know... The, it's it's one of those things that's unique to soccer where they put all the games on at the same time so no one gets an advantage by looking over their shoulder and saying, oh, this team already lost? Well, then we don't have to do anything. We're already up or we're already whatever. Uh, obviously, there's no relegation battle to speak of. That's no. all done and dusted. That's been settled for a while. But there is a, uh, a spot to be settled as far as the Champions League goes. You've got three teams, mm-hmm. uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester City. Leicester is on the outside looking in right now but only a point behind or tied, I believe, with Liverpool and a point behind Chelsea. So two of those three teams are going to go, but one of them won't. So the rundown of this game, Leicester's at home to Tottenham. Mm -hmm. You have got Chelsea away to Aston Villa and Liverpool at home at Anfield against Crystal Palace. So doesn't exactly look like Chelsea or Liverpool are going to be having a uh, the most difficult match I would think of those three is Leicester taking on Tottenham where do you see that all shaking out yeah so I think you're what you're going to get as we we obviously get to the the, the finishing line here for the Premier League season I think it's going to be your top four right now I think City United obviously <clears throat> already in uh already in for next year's Champions League and they're going to be focusing uh well one I mean United's going to be focusing on their Europa League uh final that's coming up and um Manchester City obviously going to be focused on their Champions League final that's coming up against Chelsea it was a huge win 
the other day for Chelsea against Leicester. I mean, let's not bury the lead here. Leicester gets them on the weekend, FA Cup final, feeling good about yourself. Then all of a sudden, the Leicester player, I mean, really just throwing one of Chelsea's badge in the locker room. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks out uh, midweek when those two teams played each other. That, to me, was the play-in game, Bone. I know that anything can happen. We are obviously in our last match day. Any team can beat anybody. I think that's proven in the Premier League. But that Chelsea-Leicester game was absolutely imperative to Chelsea securing a Champions League spot for next season. And also, too, I mean, Allison Becker with the header bone. I mean, yeah. let's not let's not forget about that. That just happened without that. Liverpool is on the outside looking in. And so it's just been pandemonium over the last couple of weeks. So maybe not the most dramatic finishes to the season, but there have been some really big moments over the course of the last two weeks that have kind of got these horses jockeying into this final stretch of the season as we make our way home and come to the last match day. And so I just can't overlook that Chelsea Leicester game. That was to me for a Champions League spot. Yeah, I think what makes this all interesting, you're right, because that that Chelsea Leicester game certainly changes this dynamic. But the reality is nobody's in a spot here. I I don't think where Liverpool and Chelsea are going to roll up to this and go, you know what? Let's just play for a draw. Let's play it safe. I don't think Chelsea's going to do that. Obviously, Chelsea would have more of the motivation to do that, given they have got, you know, Champions League final to consider one week after this game. So, you know, maybe that is something that would creep into your mind if it was a little more settled. But fact of the matter is, Chelsea knows the only way to guarantee you're in the Champions League is to get all three points. Liverpool knows the only way to guarantee you're in the Champions League is to get all three points. And obviously, Leicester is looking at getting all three points from Tottenham. So all those teams have every motivation to bomb forward to make it their best effort. Well, Leicester also has to make up on goal differential as well. I mean, they're four, yeah, right. they're four goals down. And as we know, I mean, tiebreaker at the end of the season goes to goal differential. Liverpool with plus 24 right now. Leicester at uh, plus 20. So if it all comes down to this, I mean, they're tied on points. Leicester is going to have to be just throwing everything on net. Everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And obviously, like, you know, if Leicester comes out of this with a win and one of those other two teams does not, you know, if Chelsea gets a tie, obviously if Liverpool ties, let alone if they lose, Leicester with a win and any of those scenarios happening, they're they're, they're in. in. Yeah. So they obviously there's gonna be that's where I think it gets really interesting, is if Leicester gets an early goal, no doubt that will make its way to the sidelines for Chelsea and Liverpool. No doubt. And so then that will lead to and if and if, you know, again, Chelsea then can say, well, we're still in a good spot. But Liverpool, then if suddenly they get a goal now, Chelsea, you know, again, it's it's that's the dynamic I'm kind of hoping for (laughs) is where every 10 minutes somebody's scoring in one of these games or or, you know, they're getting closer or they're, you know, doing really well. And suddenly it, it ratchets everything up. Ideally, I would love to see like, you know, something late for one of these three teams, like Leicester to score in the 80th minute and put themselves ahead. And then Chelsea and, then and Liverpool are just drawn like, at the moment. Right. And then all of a sudden they're like, holy crap, what are we going to do? I mean, I think that's where the drama comes in on this. So that, that for me, nice thing is, you know what three games you want to watch, yeah. right? If, if you can secure three screens and get those, you know, with a tablet and a phone or a laptop and then your, your TV, or if you're Tim Hall, I mean, just three TVs at once, you must be rich, <laughs> must be nice. Yeah, that's to me, that's the place, too. And again, I know we're not all back to doing this, but for those who are comfortable and going to a bar, mm-hmm. this is the ideal. Go to a soccer oh, bar. Oh, God, yes. Just sit there with some beers and whatever. I don't know, a pretzel and some cheese, whatever your thing is that you like to sit and eat. At 11 a.m., it's 
it's not like one of these early ones where you have to get up and force yourself. It's 11 a.m. You're that's 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 well, time that's for bloody beer, marys yeah. Oh, yeah. and mimosas beer, beer o'clock for beer, sure 11 a.m yeah. yeah you're good to go I mean, man. there's sometimes i wake up for the morning show and it's 4 45 bone i'm looking in the fridge for the half and half getting ready to put some in my coffee and i got a heineken staring me down i'm like you know what that sounds pretty good right now i mean some people are just leaving the bar so yeah. why yeah, not that's right that's right exactly so this is this is the weekend this is fun i'm looking forward to those matchups and by you, the way yeah go ahead uh, well, no. What were you going to ask? I, I was going to say, who do you have? Who's uh, what's what's I think, your I prediction? Think, I think you're right that it stays the t- the four that are there right now with Chelsea and Liverpool. But Leicester, I think it it all changes if suddenly they can get the early breakthrough. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, this comes down to like you know what is Tottenham playing for, right? Are they are they looking at this as their chance to to ruin Leicester's season? I don't know. Um, Are they looking at it as a farewell tour for Harry Kane, which I know we're right. going to talk about? Yeah, I mean, is it that? Or, or you know, again, everybody wants to go out and put their best foot forward. It's the last game of the season. You want to end on a high note. You want to do as best you can. So I don't, I don't expect them to come out and just phone it in. But if somehow Lester gets up early and kind of deflates that bubble and Tottenham is just sitting there like, yeah, we got 74 minutes till this is over. You know, I don't know. Like, then, then that's what makes it very interesting. So... If it gets to the second half and Leicester is, you know, locked in a 0-0 draw, or if they give up, I mean, that's their worst-case scenario. Tottenham scores early and puts the pressure on, and Leicester's just kind of, like, trying to get a goal. I, I could see that leading to more mistakes, and then obviously a second goal for Tottenham, and, and then, then it's dead. pretty much And then Chelsea, and then this becomes very boring, because then Chelsea and Liverpool are like, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> we, just, and we, they will, we can lose the game, and we'll be fine. They will no doubt be aware of that scenario as well. So what you don't want to see is all three of these teams playing for 0-0, and that's not going to happen. So I, I don't think you'll see that. So it all hinges on how that Leicester game goes. That's the one I'll be paying the most attention to. But I do think it's Chelsea-Liverpool at the end. Uh, it stays that way, which kind of disappointing. Not that Leicester's a, an also-ran, but certainly – You'd like to see them get in the Champions League again. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. It's it's still an unbelievable story. I mean, of course it is. You know, just from from where they came and what they were and who they were, and to the success now that they've had. I mean, you you can argue the big six, uh, you know, in the Premier League for so long has been Manchester United, City, Liverpool, Tottenham, uh, Arsenal, and I don't know why I'm forgetting another one, but whatever. You understand my point. Chelsea, uh, that Leicester have been better than a majority of those teams over these last couple of years, and I think it's still a, a very, very damn cool story every single time that they're in contention for this. So you're right. I mean, I am I'm a big Leicester fan this weekend, Bone. I, I've always enjoyed, you know, the kind of style that they've played with, and Brendan Rodgers has that team humming right now, and I just, I really enjoy him. So I'm with you. I'm pulling for Leicester this weekend. I just, I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Um, let's talk about the uh, England captain and Tottenham man for now, Harry Kane, uh, who s- said in an interview where he was talking to Gary Neville, uh, apparently that he has spoken with Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy about his future with the club. He said they had a, quote, good, honest conversation. Um, he did kind of make it sound like he knows he's on the way out. He said he's at a crossroads. He says that He's going to do what's best for him and his career at this moment in time. He said, I want to be playing the biggest games, the biggest moments. He also said, you know, for the chairman, he said, if Daniel Levy's sitting there thinking, if I could get $100 million for you, why not? Yeah. And why not is correct. He also said, I'm not going to be worth that after the next two or three years, which I 
also think is very funny. He's right, but it's just you never. I, it's weird to hear a player say like, "Oh yeah, I'm worth a hundred million now," but in two or three years, probably like, not. You should see the dip that's about to happen <laughs> in my career. You know, I'm at the peak of my powers right now. I think it's it's incredible self awareness though by Harry Kane, right? I mean, you know, if this is ultimately going to be it uh, with Tottenham. I think you look back on his career and he's one of the best Spurs players of all time. And he is unbelievable for what he has done for that organization, what he has done for that team. But ultimately, I think this is a kind of a handshake agreement, right? Like get the most out of me. You possibly can. I'm looking out for the club in that future and I'm at a crossroads and I can go somewhere else where I think he is going to go. T-Bone uh, is totally different from where I want him to go. I want AS Roma <laughs> to sign him so we can go back and partner with Jose. That's that's that where, would I, be, want, that's that would where be I want nice. Harry Kane to go. Sure. That'd be great. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think where it is going to happen is unfortunately your crosstown rivals in mm-hmm. Manchester. I do think City, from all from all accounts, right? Sergio Aguero's moving on. Yeah. I mean, everybody is seeming to think that this is this is going to be an an ideal landing spot for him. And certainly, they're one of the few teams in the world that could afford to pay whatever it's going to be a hundred plus million dollars for him, plus his contract, whichever that is, which is insane, but. Do, do I, it will from a from a boy wouldn't wouldn't it be fun to watch standpoint him Kevin De Bruyne oh god it's Phil yeah. Foden yes Raheem Sterling like all these guys together playing is just going to be sick from a do you want to see Manchester City become this team again they're already in the Champions League final <laughs> they're already winning the Premier League and then they add Harry Kane I mean I don't know is there a chance he leaves England. Do you think like no. do you think he no you don't chance. think there's a chance he no, leaves England? No, I don't at all? think there's a chance that he leaves England. I think you can look to Gareth Bale and say, look at the time he had in Spain. Right. You know, I mean just like the culture shock. And I know that, you know, Harry Kane is obviously English and Gareth Bale's Gareth Bale is Welsh. So there's a difference vastly there. Vastly different. Yes, yes, vastly different. <laughs> I know. Uh, talking about the cultural differences between the, uh, you know, the English and the Welsh. Uh, this, this is right, what you tune yeah. into Bone and Beam United for. Uh, but no, I just, I, I can't see it. I can't envision that. And two, I think it's the best bang for your buck for Tottenham. I mean, you're talking about you are, anyone who is interested in signing Harry Kane is going to have to pay a premium no matter what, just because the goal striking ability that he possesses but at the same time if you're selling him to a premier league club you're gonna have to pay a premium because you are playing tottenham two times a year and don't think that dan levy isn't sitting up there saying all right well you know maybe we could sell harry kane to real madrid and we'd accept an offer of around 75 80 85 million pounds for this deal no no if you're city you're gonna have to pay a premium for that and i think city will go all in on it on it uh as far as the fact yes they would be amazing to watch do I want Harry Kane to sign with Manchester City? No, absolutely not, because they are the bane of my existence. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, it's uh, it's not what you want to see, but what what you want to see and what's going to happen, two different things, and that seems very likely. I wonder if they would work in, like, uh, this has happened, I know, in MLS plenty of times. It'd be great if uh, somehow Tottenham worked in, like, oh, yeah, you can have him. Uh, you just can't play him against us. Well, sure. Remember a couple of years ago between uh, the matchup between Dortmund and Bayern, Champions yeah, League final, right? Yeah. Before Robert Lewandowski was was you was going to head do that was yes. going to head to Bayern. He was already going to join them in the summer, and he was like, "No, nah, I can't play in this final, guys. Can't can't do it." So I don't yeah. know. Maybe there is a handshake agreement in place. I don't. Yeah, know. I would. I I'm guessing they wouldn't do that, but that would be hilarious if they did. Where then also they're like, "Oh yeah," and if we if like he's in Champions League, he can't have him for that either. We just don't want him to play in that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think that'll work out. I think I'm, I'm sure he gets to do that. But yeah, it looks like his days at Spurs are numbered. So 
I, I, I would assume a lot of Spurs fans listening would be sad to see him go, but if you get $150 million for him... Well, who uh, knows? Erling Holland, he might be able to bring him in. How about that? And would you rather make that deal? I mean, it's certainly what Harry Kane needs, uh, not just from... Sorry, I have to sneeze, and I don't know... <laughs> just sneeze. Go ahead, Paul Keels. No, I was, Do it. <laughs> I was trying to like fight it off, and it started to get me, but I got it. Um, no, with Erling Holland, I mean, he's obviously, I think, the slightly better player right now as far as a pure goal scorer oh, but and the upside that he has of course but harry kane what he means to your team the leadership he brings all that extra stuff uh, and obviously not a slouch player in his own right no. he's fantastic on his own uh yeah obviously you get you get a lot of money in the bank to do that and then you can go bring in Erling holland or someone like that but I don't know for Tottenham. I think that's uh, that's a tough decision they have to weigh. We'll find out how it goes. But. I think the uh, the fascinating part with this, if you are kind of reading between the lines with the headlines of what's going on with Erling Holland, uh, so he actually has an out in his contract bone after next season. So they're anticipating that Erling Holland will be back in Dortmund. Now, all the news that I've been reading about on the transfer front, Manchester United very interested in Jadon Sancho, as we know. Uh, he's starlet, star kid. And so everything that I've been reading uh, has been that Manchester United, they obviously signed Edinson Cavani to a one-year contract extension, which is big for him. The goal he scored the other day uh, against Fulham was pretty amazing. You know, just 40 yards out, chipped the keeper right in front of the uh, Old Trafford fans for the first time, which was cool. Uh, so everything that I've been reading again has been United getting Jadon Sancho this year and then when that out clause comes out in his contract for next year it will be cheaper for a team to sign him next year because Dortmund are asking too much for him and his release clause is actually cheaper uh, than what his price is so that's going to be fascinating to watch yeah that's that's a very interesting situation to keep an eye on and it makes you wonder too would they would they rather just instead of you know for Dortmund would they rather just sell him to say you know what, we don't want somebody to expose us on the sure. release clause. We'd rather sell him now and get the money as opposed to next year where there's like a legal way to get him for cheap. Uh, I I, th- I wonder if they would make that deal. So lots to consider there, but obviously the silly season already is in full swing as far it. as the rumors, and we love will have it. more and more of that as the summer progresses. And we got Euros to get into. Oh, I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah, don't forget that's about literally, that. We have the Euros. Start, that starts in like two and a half weeks. I know, man. We we go right from Champions League final to Euros. Gold Cup is going on here stateside, so you've got all kinds of stuff going on this New summer. New Stadium opening, too. I mean, it's going to yeah. be amazing. And then once we get through all that, it's like, oh, hey, Premier League's back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey. And then we're into the World Cup qualifying, you know, this this the end of that and... <sighs> Little Birdie told yeah. me things looking good for possibly getting something in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I'm just, just that's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. That's a rumor that nasty, fingers, nasty rumor that's flying fingers around. Fingers crossed for yep. World Cup qualifying. Who knows? But things are looking up. That's what I'll say right now. Take a break. We we'll come back. We will tell you why there's no good guys when it comes to the world leadership of soccer. Listen to Bona Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So the New York Times has an article today, and the title of it is The Super League Thought It Had a Silent Partner, mm. FIFA. Um, the lead on this, publicly, soccer's global governing body criticized a breakaway European soccer league, but privately, it held talks for months with the founders about endorsing the competition. And so this is by Tariq Panja, who wrote this article, and it's it's really well Tariq sourced. Tariq Cohen's brother. Yeah, I don't think that's how brothers work. 
first names, not no, I don't think it's last. Not names, according to our former co-host Anthony Schleiber. So. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right. Yes, indeed. Uh, so apparently, he got a hold of the documents, the founding contract for the Super League, and poured through this and found that in these documents there was a an entity labeled W O one that the super league founders said that they would need to strike an agreement with W O one world ordinance one. Yes. To make sure that this would work. They basically said the super league will not work if we don't get W O one's participation. Well, according to this article, W O one is pretty easily identifiable as FIFA. And that apparently more and more of this information kind of came to light where uh, Johnny Infantino's henchmen were, <laughs> which was what they are. They I mean, are, you're right. FIFA has henchmen. They all have henchmen. But uh, his henchmen were working with Super League henchmen, and they were all basically saying, look, if you can find a way to tie in your Super League with FIFA's Club World Cup, then we will sign off on it. And basically what they wanted to do was what was the Super League eventually going to be? 15 teams, I yeah, think? So I, don't, I don't remember. It, it was like stupid. 15 teams, and they were going to add in uh, five more for their competition. Yeah, they were the just, it was going to be every a year. rotating group, right? Yeah. So what they were going to do was say, hey, we will let those 15 teams every year go play in the Club World Cup, and we'll make that a bigger deal, and we'll use the Super League to prop up the Club World Cup. Because Club World Cup is nice. It's interesting. It's nowhere on the level of Champions League. It's nowhere on the level of anything else that exists. Uh, who cares? I, I right, right. I don't care. I don't care. But so, well, FIFA cares. They want to make that a bigger deal because they want to get more money for it. So their whole thing was, if you let us have some money from that, and apparently the Super League was going to let them have a billion dollars a year <laughs> and and give them access to these teams for the Club World Cup, then FIFA said, if you'll do that, we'll sign off on it. And that apparently led to, you know, J.P. Morgan financing this. Yep. They wanted to know that FIFA was going to be okay on it. Basically, everyone up until January, FIFA was pretty much acknowledged that they were going to be a-okay with this thing. And then, of course, they actually, you know, the rumors started flying about it's going to happen. And then, you know, people started saying it was bad. Then when it finally came to light that they announced it and said, yes, we're doing the Super League. They point out in this article that of all the different leagues that came out against it, FIFA was like the last mm -hmm. entity that put a statement out. Oh, we think this is a bad idea. We weren't involved in it at all. Right. And apparently even FIFA, they put a statement out in January when the rumors started flying and they said FIFA will not endorse any competition that is a closed competition. And the people who run the Super League realized that that was a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink type of moment. Because no, it said, wasn't a close competition. Right. We're going to let five teams in. So any five teams can come from anywhere in Europe. So, hey, we're not closing this. Mm -hmm. So they thought as long as we leave that little loophole in, FIFA will sign off on this. And apparently that's where it was going to go. FIFA was going to sign off on it. Apparently UEFA executives got involved and yelled at FIFA. And that's when Johnny Infantino finally was like, all right. No, I don't support it, I guess. Damn it. And he just kicked his rocks with his shoe and just, you know, I really wanted to make a billion dollars with the FIFA. I mean, and he just got mad and then he put out his little statement and that's how it went. What an unbelievable coup that would have been, right? I mean, you're talking about UEFA and FIFA being mostly on the same page all the time. And UEFA is obviously one of the biggest, you know, governing bodies 
of world soccer. And for them to come out, my whole thing with this was amazing. So if the Super League went through, remember the threats that UEFA claimed that they any players that take place in this are not going to be able uh, to take place in the Euros. Like nowhere did you ever think like, oh, they won't be able to take place in the World Cup as well. I thought that was just a given. Like any FIFA, like we're you know condemning this. The fact that they were, I mean, backroom handshaking this to give it a green light and get a billion dollars more in revenue every single year was absolutely outrageous. Gian Infantino, bad, bad guy. Oh, yeah, that's it. And this is where I try to remind myself when you see these things and you hear some of the stuff that comes out, it's it's not that there are just uh, any really good people that run the top levels of soccer. Now, FIFA supposedly said, well, if we get this billion dollars, we'll be able to use that to spread soccer to all these underprivileged countries and we'll be able to grow the oh, game. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, man, the whole like grow the game farce that that FIFA tries to put out, that is one of the biggest lies that ever has happened in world sports, just because they'll they'll say that and it justifies anything they do. Of course. So where's, where's the money actually going? So you can. So what FIFA can do with that? And you wonder, why do I say that? Because FIFA has the general counsel. General counsel is, you know, full of different countries. And as I remember it, if I'm, I'm pretty sure this is still the case. When you vote in the general council, you have the same voice. So, you know, a tiny little country that has a population of maybe 400,000 people sure. has the same voice as the United States or England or any of these other countries that yeah. participate Bali in has, a, has the same voice. Yeah. So what you can then do if your FIFA is say, we've decided to give $27 million mm-hmm. to grow the game in Bali. We're going to give it to the guy who runs... Bali soccer or whatever. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe that guy's a good dude or a good gal. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're, but the, great, the point people, is, great people there, over there's, in Bali. Yep. there's a way that you could easily slide a bunch of cash to a federation that no one's paying attention to. And then that federation, in return, decides to vote for things you want to do. Of course. This is so, how the underbelly of FIFA works. Yeah, but then anytime someone questions that and goes, why did you give Why did you give Jack Warner at Trinidad and Tobago like $100 million? They'll be like, what? Trinidad does not have a huge soccer mm-hmm. base. We need to grow the game in places like Trinidad. And on the surface, that sounds correct. But Jack Warner, who used to run that federation, was as corrupt as they come. He would take a lot of that money and just keep it for himself, would promise to build soccer stadiums or soccer facilities, and they'd never get built. But who's paying attention to that? Nobody. Right. So it's an easy way to kind of grease the political skids for the people at the head of FIFA. And so you want, again, to, you want to know why Qatar has a World Cup? I think you just explained it. That's it. I mean, that, that is how this works. So that's why this is bad, where FIFA was just going to have a billion dollars to, air quotes, grow the game. It would be a billion dollars to make sure Johnny Infantino and his henchmen never get, you know, voted out of power, or at least not anytime soon. So, yeah, that's, that's, ugh. it's just so gross. And it's, John Oliver, I know, has done this multiple times around the World Cup where it's like, I love this, but I also acknowledge it's horrible. Yeah. Right. Like we all can acknowledge we love world soccer. We love all the things that come out of FIFA, you know, as far as the games they produce and the competitions they produce. But man, they are all corrupt organizations. Just and UEFA is no better. UEFA just wasn't going to get the check on this one. So they they were not happy with it because there was they were (laughs) there's no way they could make money off of it. If they could, they would have been all for it, too. So there you go. That's the uh, that's the happy note we're going to leave you on this weekend. Mm-hmm, I Everybody agree. sucks. <laughs>
All right, Beamer. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the soccer, and we will talk next week and get you ready for the Champions League final. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely, man. Enjoy the weekend. going to be 90 degrees here in Central Ohio, so I'll be sweating as much as you are. It's going to be death. It's great. It's great. Can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United.